we talk a lot about water and food and that, but uh, one thing, especially, and it's more important here down in the southern states and that, but people don't think about is what they call cooling stations for the turkeys during the summertime. Oh, yeah. So if you got yeah. an area that is thick with uh, cedar or pine where it's in shade all the time, uh, like uh-huh. we said before, take your tractor blade, uh, you know, front one, back one, whatever you got, and just scrape about uh, five, six inches down into where you're starting to get where it'll hold more of like a uh, wet dirt, a mud, like after a rain and that. And those birds will yeah. come in there and they'll just Camel sit in that pool. boots on so, my yeah. feet, bow in my hand, walking in the early dawn to climb up in my stand. Redbone, what would you say if I could tell you that you could kill a buck on a certain day? I would say you're crazy. There's no way to predict how the bucks are going to move. Well, you're wrong. There's a new camera out called Wise Eye Technologies. These guys can predict the actual deer movement exact time that a deer is going to come through. Really? Wise Eye Technology? This camera has five megapixel pictures, has a GPS system built inside, and it's an experience using this camera. It collects data and tells you the movement, wind direction, everything. On a camera? On a camera. WiseEyeTechnologies.com. And how do I find out more information about these guys? You go to WiseEyeSmartCam.com. I'm using them. You should, too. Make your hunt easier. Use WiseEye. WiseEye Technologies presents... Welcome to American Roots Outdoors. Calling in via phone. I'm in downtown Ellington, Missouri, where Rivermasters, on behalf of Rivermasters, we presented a $250 check to the Ellington Nutrition Center to help them feed the people in the communities. And it's been quite a week this week. The Kansas City Chiefs are the Super Bowl champions. Yay! Yay. Wayne's just shaking his head. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) But what a game. I'm sorry the Pittsburgh Steelers never did make it. Oh, that's okay. Wayne, I still like you as a neighbor across the road. Hey, I'm just glad that finally they caught up to the Steelers championship wins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with with the second youngest defense in the NFL. I know, boy, that, that yeah. defense is looking bright for the future. Oh they can, if, if, if they can hang on to them. If they can hang on to them. That's the thing. You know, they got the Chris Jones thing that they got to deal with well, now. Yep. And Jadarius Sneed uh, that they got to try and hang on to. Right. And Alex and I were talking about the game at the, you know, later that night and, I said that Jones, to me, without a doubt, should have been player of the game. Because of his two pressures that he did, he solely solely caused bad throws that were two for sure touchdowns. Those guys were wide open in the end zone. I I agree. He saved 14 points, and that game never would have been to overtime. Yeah, and you know, one of the things about the NFL, uh, and and people are going, how did the Chiefs do it? You know, they lost whatever it was, seven games through the course of the year. Blah, blah, blah. You know, at one time they were you know, below 500. And, but the thing that the Chiefs have, and, and I've talked about before, I'm not going with the uh, Andy Reid and Steve Spagnuolo. That's a, that's a given. But every team has some great players. But it's what do you have on the bottom end of that list? You're one through 11. Mm-hmm. You know, and and some people might have a better number one, a better number two, and a better number three. But what Kansas City has is they have better players at those six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 spots than other teams do. Yeah. And that was evident in the Super Bowl because there were people that you yeah. probably hadn't heard of all year that were making plays. 
Right. And look Drew at the, Tranquil was all over the place. Yep. The exactly. Carlaftis kid was in the backfield all night long. I mean, it was just, as the defense goes, the back end of the defense for the Chiefs, I'm talking about in numbers-wise, is better than what San Francisco had on the back end of theirs. Uh, no doubt. And, and San Francisco's linebacker, when he got hurt with that Achilles, I mean, yeah. what, it felt so bad Bingo. for that guy. Oh, but his replacement... No comparison. No comparison. No comparison. Could not keep up with the tight ends and just allowed them to run rampant in the second half. Whereas the Chiefs had three starters on defense that didn't play in the game. Right. It's the backups. Yeah. I want to say, I'll tell you something else we need to give a ball to that played very good ball. It actually, to me, helped turn the game around was McDuffie. Oh, yeah. McDuffie, when he tipped that pass, that changed the whole game. Yeah. And when they blocked that punt. Kick. You know, that Extra point. Goal, yeah. Yeah, extra point. And, and, you know, you can't – you've got to say Mahomes is the greatest. Oh, yeah. You know, look at what he did. You know, and, and let me tell you who else we got to give a football to. It's the special teams. Yeah. Special That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Our, our special teams, punters, kickers, coverage guys, were better than San Francisco. Exactly. Yep. All right, moving on. Uh, this week's show is show number two, Wild Turkey Hunting Tactics, Understanding the Wild Turkey. We've been talking about biology, and that's we're, we're going to touch some more on biology in this show, show number two. But also, before we get into going into our second segment, I want to talk about high school sports. Okay. You know, you got you got the Thayer Bobcats, Alton Comets, uh, Mammoth Spring, uh, Salem, Arkansas, Mountain Home, Ava. Uh, Mountain Grove, Gainesville, yeah. Bakersfield, Mountain Mount View, Birch Tree, Liberty, yeah, and then Sykeston you know, you got a lot and of good teams, yeah, man. Sykeston, New Madrid County it. Central. And, you know, we're recording this show on Tuesday this week because of some other things this week, and Alex is going to the WTF and and all that stuff. But uh, this is the last week of the regular season for the small schools, classes one, two, and three in Missouri. Arkansas small schools are already done. And I just want to give a special recognition here. Mammoth Spring Lady Bears are ranked number one, headed to their district next week, ranked number one in the state as the defending state champions. I want to say uh, over there in the Cape area, over southeast Missouri, New Madrid County Central is ranked number one in class three boys. Thayer Bobcats are ranked number three, class three boys, going into the finals. Uh, Awesome. Girls basketball, the Thayer Lady Bobcats, are ranked number three in class two. The East Carter Lady Redbirds are ranked number four. Nice. And the Alton Lady Comets are ranked number eight. And those three are all in the same district tournament. And then you got yeah. Sykeston, Alex, the Sykeston boys, they're ranked number one in class five. You got the Donovan wow. the Donovan girls are ranked number one in class four and are undefeated. Something in the water. We got a lot of good basketball <laughs> around the uh, around the region, and I'm looking so forward to the uh, district tournaments next week. Well, as we we record this Tuesday, mm-hmm. uh, Liberty girls and boys come to Thayer, Missouri tonight. Yep, and they play you guys tonight, and it's going to be an all out war. Oh, absolutely! The, uh, it always is. Always is big rivals. So, yeah, yeah. Looking forward to. So, it. Yeah, well, I know my my foster daughter that we just. Um, Took it, took into our home is looking forward to next year's basketball. She's six foot tall and loves basketball. Woo. Well, that's good. She'll be, be great for Liberty. She'll yeah. be she'll be a good addition. Yep. 
And would she want to drive to Thayer? I don't care. You need, <laughs> she you, need get her basket, you need to get her a basketball go set up out there in the yard. I know. I think I'm going to take you up on that offer. Yeah. Come and get mine and use it. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, but anyway, great time of the year. What we're going to talk about coming up in segment two is habitat. The habitat, type of habitat that turkeys love. And uh, we're going to cover, again, from the biology of the wild turkey all the way to the vocalizations, uh, calling hunting techniques, all the way to harvesting that gobbler, killing that gobbler, and, and dressing that gobbler to serving that t- gobbler on the table through an eight episode, eight shows uh, for you listeners. And uh, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about habitat. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more right after this. Hey, everybody, this is Michael Water with Bone Collector, and you're listening to my buddy Alex Rutledge on American Roots Outdoors, man. Hunting off the farm, wishing on some love. I've been on a big board for a while, like load him in the back of my truck. We can take it to a holler. Hey, Redbone, did you hear about that new deer feed? What new deer feed? Hey, Buck Grits, boys. You ain't heard of that yet? Buck Grits. BuckGrits.com. Well, tell us about it. What makes it better than any other deer feed? Well, Buck Grits has got the protein a deer needs. It's got the fat a deer needs. It's got the amino acids. It's got the energy. It's got it all, brother. It's going to well, bring them back after the rut, and it's going to put a rack on their head. And it's going to help the lactate and dough, I assume, too, after they have the fawns. That's right. Keep the fawns going and get them for the next crop. Well, where can I get Buck Grits? buckgrits.com you can get a sample you can order it directly from the website and we're coming to a retailer near you if you want to help a deer herd use buck grits across the creek of a big old hill year after year got my hunting legacy farm and land specialist llc presents Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors. Uh, again, I'm calling via phone from downtown Ellington, Missouri, where we just donated $250 to the Ellington Nutrition Center. We delivered as promised. And uh, you know, we need to support all these towns, little towns like this, if you can. Whoever's listening, support your nutrition centers. It helps people get a meal that may never have one. And that being said, let's move in to our subject matter, habitat, Okay. Of the wild turkey. Uh, what are some of the things you think turkeys like to eat, Redbone Wayne? Well, they like to eat uh, They like, like to eat grain, and they like to eat bugs. And that's why this year is going to be such a great year, because the cicadas are coming up. The two biggest yeah. hatches. But anyway, yeah, bugs bugs, and, and grain. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm reading here from a, a site that I pulled up. Mm-hmm. Biology of the wild turkey, etc. It says here, wild turkeys lives in the hardwood and mixed conifer hardwood forest with openings like fields, pastures, orchards, and marshes. So in each one of these areas that we just mentioned, there is food sources for them there to eat. They like to eat acorns. Uh, they eat insects. They even eat snakes, lizards. Uh, they like to eat uh, buds on trees, believe it or not. When there's ice storms, turkeys, if there's any type of buds on trees, they'll eat the buds off of those trees. Oh, I can believe that. That makes sense. Yeah. They love insects. They'll eat ticks, believe it or not. Ticks, ants. They eat all kinds of things. If you think about the turkey, wild turkey, 
<laughs> they kind of remind you of a prehistoric animal that we've seen in dinosaurs, if you think about it, Wayne. Uh, it's funny you say that because I have uh, the you know the NWTF emblem on my arm, the tattoo of the three turkeys, and out in the country, everybody's like, oh, cool, tur- cool turkey tattoo. And then uh, when I lived in the city, though, and I would go to a McDonald's and I reached over to grab the bag and that, they're like, oh, those are cool-looking raptors. you like Jurassic Park? <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> is, that, is it that bad of a tattoo, Wayne? Hey, no, this that dumb of the city people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, I want to say this. It also says their diet consists of, you ready for this? The turkey is an omnivore. Okay, you know what an omnivore is, Redbone Wayne? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. It eats acorns, nuts, seeds, fruits, insects, buds, fern, fronds, and salamanders. It usually forages on the ground in flocks, scratching in the earth to uncover food. The wild turkey feeds during the day at roosts and trees at night. Uh, that's pretty much common sense. But if you think about our talk, subject matter throughout our show, we're trying to help the new beginning turkey hunters through some of the subject matter. And we'll even get into deeper stuff as we progress throughout these shows. And it says right here, the male wild turkey has a tuft of feathers called a beard on his chest. And we talked about that, upwardly curving spur on his lower legs. Okay, the spur is usually determines the age of a wild turkey. Something to keep in mind, you can't always go by the spur length because some of these gobblers that lives in rocky terrain uh, breaks them off, etc., uh, and they break them off fighting as well. But that's usually how you tell the age of a wild turkey, the length of the wild of the turkey spur. For me, raising tame turkeys, and I've noticed that the Jake, the turkey is born in May or June, and the following year, he's still called a Jake, and his spur is usually a quarter of an inch long. From my observations, hunting turkeys and raising turkeys. A turkey spur, depending on where they are, will grow a quarter of an inch each year. A two-year-old turkey is usually a half-inch spur. Hmm. Three-inch turkey can be a three-and-a-quarter-inch to an inch spur, again, depending on food source, what they get uh, in, in their system, but also what turkey species we're talking about. That's something to think about. Yeah, Alex, with, with, that, with that in mind, what is the longest spur you've ever seen on a turkey? I have literally held two-inch-plus spurs. Wow. Linda Bird, a two-inch spur turkey. Now, think about it. If, 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 if my suggestion is right, uh, I got somebody walking up here. Pause it. Think about it. Two-inch spur, if, if my guesstimation, my opinion is right, a quarter of an inch, so one inch would be a three to four year old turkey. Mm-hmm. A two inch spur, a turkey could be six to eight years old. So think wow. about that. The average expectancy, life expectancy of a wild eastern wild turkey, depending on where it's at, can be up to uh, the oldest I've ever seen is two inch spurs. Again, plus, uh, but the average age of a turkey, according to some studies, is three years old. <laughs> Wow. That had to be one smart bird or one bird that just lived all by themselves. Well, you think <laughs> about it. Again, we're going to go backtrack a little bit here. We're going to talk about uh, 
the, the whole turkey, as soon as it's hatched out of an egg, everything in the woods and, mm-hmm. and the out there is trying to kill them and eat them. Yeah. You know, they're survivors. If you think about the life expectancy and what they go through to survive, can you imagine being a wild turkey and living in, in the outdoors in the element and ice on the ground for two weeks? Mm. You can't get to the ground to scratch and forage, and that's why I encourage people to help the wild turkey. You know, uh, plant food plots, plant foods that they can eat. You know, wheat seed, uh, millet, milo, corn, soybeans, all these things helps your wild turkey survive. I think we all need to stop sometimes, Wayne Redbone, and ask ourselves, uh, what kind of hunter am I? Am I a steward? Uh, do I support conservation, or am I just taking, or am I giving? I think we all need to stand up, stand stand up, and step up and give instead of taking all the time. And that's why I encourage people to feed and create habitat for the critters, the turkeys, the deer, etc. All right. So, Alex, before we break for this segment, we've got about two minutes. I would like to pass something along here that I read just this week. And it was on a gardening site. And, you know, I love to garden. I'm always looking for new ideas. And uh, this site uh, said, because, you know, people like to clear their gardens in the fall. And this site said, do not clear your garden in the fall. And, and I'm going to take this one step further and say this might be uh, go to farmers who like to clear their fields in the fall. Is that inside the stalks of your dead tomato vines, uh, your cucumber vines, but when they get dry and they hollow out, and that creates habitat yep. for bugs. It does. Beetles and uh, honeybees hmm. that are you know don't belong in a hive, they will burrow into those uh, hollowed out plants, and that's where they survive the winter. So if you leave some of those and you know around the edges of your fields, those weeds that then die in the winter and they dry up and they become hollow, then the bugs will crawl inside the plants and live to stay warm, survive the winter, and that provides what? More bugs for the turkeys yeah. to eat through the wintertime. Right. I never heard of that. It's just, yeah, it's just like planting uh, milo or millet, mm-hmm. corn, beans, whatever. It does the same thing. Exactly. And anytime you have vegetation, it creates insects. Yeah. I'll tell you what I started doing, we're talking about habitat still, subject matter, is that, and what they eat, is that I do not mow my fields in the fall. Right. Uh, after I plant. So in the spring, it comes back up. All summer long, mm-hmm. I let it stay tall. I don't cut the hay on it or mow it until in August. Yeah. And, then, and, then, and that's, all, that's all kind of the same, the same thing as the gardening. You know, if you want to have exactly. those honeybees, which you need to pollinate your garden, and the other bugs that fly around and pollinate your garden... Uh, same way in your food plots in, in the areas where the turkeys live. Let some of that stuff stand through the winter because that provides habitat for the bugs, which then creates more, better habitat for the turkeys. Exactly. And that's why you need lots of watering holes on your property as well, close to these areas where these hens may be nesting. If you'll notice, and I said this in, in show number one, hens usually like to nest close to water so they can get the poults to water. Mm-hmm. Within you know, within an hour or so, or a couple hours of them being hatched, and they want to have insects close to them to teach them to eat to get the protein mm-hmm. and what they need to survive. So, letting the fields grow up, if you can do that and mow in August your hay or whatever, 
a lot of farmers, we're not telling farmers not to mow your hay. We're oh, no. saying if you got land, and we're telling you if you'll let your fields grow up, there'll be insects in there, and those hen turkeys will keep those poults in these fields that's growing up where the insects are at. Yeah, and around the edges, too. All right, so we need to take a break. We're back. More American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends in just a minute. Hey, y'all, it's Tyler Farr, and you're listening to my good buddy, Mr. Alex Rutledge, on American Roots Outdoors. And my old pair of hunting boots passed on down, planted deep in the ground around your heart, so you never gotta worry what the wind might. Hey, guys, it's food plot planting time here in the Ozarks and all across the country. What are you planting this year, Wayne? I'm going to put some smorgasbord in with a whole lot of clover. You're going to put wait, some wait, extra wait. clover in it. What? Smorgasbord? What is smorgasbord? Man, it is a variety of annuals and perennials that will get you through fall time, winter time, and all the way into spring. It's awesome. You want to plant healthier food plots to track all kinds of game? Go to www.eagleseed.com. It's a smorgasbord. You know, we all get tired of certain things. The smorgasbord has everything. Your deer will love it. Eagleseed.com. American ammunition presents welcome back to segment three of show number two wild turkey hunting tactics understanding the wild turkey and turkey hunting tactics we're covering from a to z man and this this show series of shows and we've been talking about habitat and what i want to touch on in this segment is the behavior of the wild turkey and the behavior of the wild turkey is one of the only two north american birds that has been domesticated Think about that. We have tame turkeys. Wayne's got tame turkeys. I got tame turkeys. So they have been domesticated. The other is the Muscovy duck. By the end of the 19th century, the wild turkey had been hunted almost to extinction in much of its original range. Today, the wild turkey has been reestablished in much of its original range. If Benjamin Franklin had had it his way, the wild turkey would have been the symbol of the United States instead of the bald eagle. He thought the wild turkey was more dignified than the eagle. Yeah. Share your thoughts, gentlemen. Yeah, he was wrong. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I don't think the terrorist. I don't think the terrorist would look at that uh, turkey and be like, "Ooh, I'm not going. I'm not. I'm not going that way." <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I understand where Ben Franklin was probably coming from. The sure. tur- turkeys were a food source and were very hard to kill. Could you imagine trying to hunt turkeys with a with a musket? No, but I sure yeah. love to try. Yeah, <laughs> with the bow like the Indians did it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, they was real hunters. Yeah. yeah, but I but I think they made I made they made the right choice picking the bald eagle. Mm-hmm. They are just so majestic and they just look mean. Right, fearful. Yeah, rather be a predator so. than a prey on our uh, our, our money. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So they domesticated the, the wild turkey and, and farmers. Start raising them. Some raise them for food. Some raise them to, like I do. I don't raise them to eat them. I raise them just to watch them and listen to them and and to learn from the vocalization. And I want to say it's very hard to raise tame turkeys. And I talked to a a friend of mine that's got some bronze turkeys for sale last week, and he and I told him I said, man, I've had a tough time raising wild turkeys, coots, invading the nest. 
Heads want to get off to themselves and nest. They want to get away from all the other turkey. He goes, Alex, he goes, I started raising all my turkeys off the ground. He goes, I built pens and put the hens inside of a pen up off the ground. And she's, they, all the hens hatch every one of them, and they don't get any diseases or anything or any predators can bother them. So looks like I'm going to be building, Wayne, you're going to have to help me build them. You're going to build you some, too. Some pens off the ground so we can raise some of these baby turkeys. Hey, just build the nesting boxes and the hutches off the ground, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what he does. He, he puts them on, you know, like four by four legs mm-hmm. and puts like a rabbit pen where they can stay inside that. And when they raise the babies and they get big enough and he, he moves them to, lets them outside for a while, you know, when they get away from predators and then they move them to the bigger pen. Good idea. Hey, if it, anything that helps. I have to check yeah. that out. I'll have to look up some DIY project uh, schematics. Yeah. Well, it makes sense if you think about it. You know, again, reiterating, repeating, you got predators that's trying to kill them ever since they get out of the egg. And if you can keep them inside of a pen and you keep them watered and fed, you're getting them everything they need to survive. You know, the only thing about that, though, and I have this with my chickens because my chickens, I have a chicken house. And of course, they lay inside the chicken house. But all it takes is one sighting of a black snake within within 50 yards of the chicken house. And every time I go in there the, to gather the eggs, I'm looking in the rafters. I'm looking <laughs> in the corners because yeah. more often than not, I go in there and you see a black snake tail pulling up across the road, you know, trying, trying to get away. But, yeah. uh, so that's the one thing that you still have to deal with unless you make them just absolutely airtight. Now, I don't know if you can build a chicken house or a turkey house airtight enough they, a snake can't get in there so unless you're burying those sides about a foot and a half in the ground <laughs> yeah yeah i'm the same way every time i go in a chicken pen in the summer and spring i'm looking for black snakes yeah uh, we had one that was over six foot long one time in one of our chicken pens boy it scared my wife to death yeah and those black snakes, you know, they will consume the chicken's eggs and turkey eggs. And, and the baby chicken. They'll also fend off poisonous snakes. You know that? Yeah, they do. They they kill copperheads, but they'll, they'll also eat your baby chicks. Yep. Yes. I, don't, I don't have a problem with snakes because I got guineas. Okay. And they, uh, well, there you go. They I love watching them run around the yard carrying around a copperhead in, that in their <laughs> mouth, uh, tearing them apart. But, uh, no, they I don't have a, that issue with the snakes, luckily, because of the guineas. Yeah. I've kind of gotten off subject here, but yeah. Habitat for turkeys. <laughs> yeah, have, uh, Chicken coop building 101 <laughs> here on American Roots Outdoors. <laughs> We're building turkey. Exactly. Yeah, what I want to talk about in segment four of the show is more about habitat. And we're going to talk about how to create great habitat yourselves with a chainsaw and your tractor. Your own tractor, if you have a blade or a bucket loader, and things that you can do on your property to improve your property to hold more wild turkeys. And I think that'll be great content for segment four. What do you think, gentlemen? Yeah, I would agree. And we've got just about a minute here, Alex. And and I would just like to take a moment here. We're recording on Tuesday, and uh, coming up on Wednesday at our our home base station at K Country ninety five, we're having the annual, and it's over by the time anybody hears this. Uh, K Country cares for St Jude Kids Radio Fox. And, and the reason I want to mention that, because Alex Rutledge has been gracious enough uh, to donate a full-day smallmouth fishing trip with him on the current river 
for our St. Jude auction. And Alex, um, on behalf of all of us here at the station uh, and the kids at St. Jude, I want to say thank you for making that contribution to our auction to help raise money to save the lives of children all over the world. So just while we had a minute here, I wanted to throw that out there and uh, say thank you for doing that. And I look forward to maybe going with y'all, whoever whoever bids and gets the high bid and wins the trip, maybe I can go with you. That sounds like a big ticket uh, item, too. Big ticket item. Big ticket item. Anyway. Yeah, the value of it's $500. Yeah. And I've donated trips before, and they went from anywhere from $100 uh, to, to over $2,000. Yeah. 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 So, Alex, just so, wanted to say thank you publicly for doing that for the kids of St. Jude. Well, thank you, K-Country 95 and all the other different stations that do uh, functions like this to help raise money. And, you know, I've had family members with cancer, and it's dear to my heart. My wife and daughter and I and my, the Rutledge family, we support this, St. Jude's, and, and thank you for mentioning it. And it's no big deal to us. We just believe in helping, and thank you for mentioning it. All right. We need to go to break. We'll be back with more American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and his friends in just a moment. Hey, this is Eddie Salter, and you listen to American Roots and Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. Accurate, deadly, dependable, Hornady ammunition. From a two-man operation in 1949 to a world-leading innovator of bullet, ammunition, reloading tool, and accessories design and manufacturer today. Hornady, each piece is hand-inspected to ensure consistency and quality. Ammunition engineered to perform flawlessly, simply put, the best. Hornady Ammunition. Find Hornady Ammunition at a retailer near you and at Hornady.com. Eagle Seed presents Welcome Back to American Roots Outdoor Segment 4 of the show, show number 2, Wild Turkey Hunting Techniques, Understanding the Wild Turkey. We're covering from A to Z in this 8-show series. And what we're going to do is talk more about habitat here, and what I want to do is share with you some of the things that I've learned from biologists, turkey biologists, other friends that they do on their properties to help create habitat for the wild turkey. If you have your own tractor and you have a a, uh, front-end loader with a bucket, you can go out here and create these watering holes uh, close to fields, etc. They don't have to be that big. Say 20 foot by 20 foot, dig it about three or four foot deep, push it out, make sure you have a good clay bottom, and you've created a nice watering hole for these wild turkeys and deer and other animals, etc. Another thing you can do is you can create nesting sites by going in and cutting down trees and piling those trees into what we call brush piles. And great trees that make great nesting is cedar trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, you cut, cut a bunch of scrub, junk, oak, whatever, uh, and you pile them in a pile, and you want to, you know, you can create it in a TP form or however you want to stack them. But make sure what the hens can get in there to cover themselves from predators, etc. But the cedar tree on top of everything gives them more shade and hides them even better. 
So think about that. And you can also create the nesting by doing this technique. Now, Alex, uh, when you start talking about, you know, creating these uh, uh, brush piles, is there a distance between piles that you want to uh, make them? And, and I guess my question is more concerned about wild turkeys. How close together will uh, turkey hens build their nest? I mean, do you want to create, I mean, could one quarter mile row of brush piles, how many turkeys will nest in that? Or do you want to break them up into different segments so that they kind of feel a bit isolated? Well, on my farm, Redbone, and I'm in a joint partnership relationship, not partnership, I guess, but a relationship with MDC, the biologists come in and help me lay out my property mm-hmm. for the watering holes, the ponds. And we do controlled burns, and that's another thing I want to talk about in this segment is controlled burning, and it helps increase uh, vegetation for the turkeys in the spring months. So we broke our property up into four sections, and what I try to do is create nesting sites in each four of those sections of 125 acres. So, yes, hens have nested close to each other. Usually they don't, mm-hmm. from my studies, my observations, but a quarter of a mile apart is perfect for nesting if you have the right habitat there, say the right nesting site, uh, grown up fields there, water, where the insects will be, these are key locations for hens to create these nesting sites. So, yeah, a quarter of a mile apart would be perfect if you're setting up your farm to create uh, nesting sites for hens. You know, Alex, we talk a lot about water and food and that, but uh, one thing, especially, and it's more important here down in the southern states and that, but people don't think about is what they call cooling stations for the turkeys during the summertime. Oh, yeah. So if you got yeah. an area that is thick with uh, cedar or pine where it's in shade all the time, uh, like you uh-huh. said before, take your tractor blade, uh, you know, front one, back one, whatever you got, and just scrape about uh, five, six inches down into where you're starting to get where it'll hold more of like a uh, wet dirt, a mud, like if it, after a rain and that. And those birds will yeah. come in there and they'll just sit in that to cool themselves down. That is a great tip, Red uh, Wayne. And, uh, you know, we do that in some of our roads, but I've not done it just for cooling stations. But that makes a lot of sense, and that's great. When did you get that information at? Uh, actually, I got that from a buddy of mine up in Ohio who does a lot of southern hunting. And he said he was yeah. at a couple places, and they were doing that, and he brought that idea up to us, even though we didn't quite need it as much. Uh, but, you know, we do have hot summers sometimes up in Ohio there. and we But do. down here, uh, it's definitely more prevalent, you know, especially if you look at the last few summers. If you have some cooling areas that these birds will, and it also will help congregate them to an area uh, for if you want to start putting cameras up there, your wise-eye cameras, see what you got on your property, start taking numbers and, and see how the pulse are doing in that. Um, you know, it's a great idea. That's a great idea. I love the idea of Redbone. Yeah, I do too. And, and, and because our summers are getting a bit warmer, uh, you know, it may be something that the, the turkeys will have to uh, – uh, you know, adapt to or will adapt to, and that is finding those spots during those hot summer days. Just help them survive. Yes, we will. You know, this has been a great show. We've covered a lot of subject matter. And show number three, we're going to cover turkey vocalizations. And we're going to start uh, with the young turkeys, you know, them hatching out of the eggs, mm-hmm. the sounds that they make. And we're going to educate everybody what we know and what we can gather from data that we collect, and uh, the whole point of doing this is trying to get more people involved with turkey hunting. 
uh, it's God's creation, and it's it's crucial that we keep our hunting heritage strong. We have more people involved than ever. Yeah, and Alice, I think I, and I think one point that I, I think that we have made over the last couple of weeks, and especially this week talking about habitat, because a lot of time uh, farmers will say, "Well, I just don't have room because I got cattle. I don't have time to create turkey habitat." But really, you do. I mean, you don't have to create dedicate a hundred acres. The turkey hunting, you can kind of create habitat in the in in the little wood patches that you have in your fields because everybody has them, or just along the edge of a field or or something like that. And I, I don't think we're asking or encouraging hunters to dedicate their whole farm to turkey hunting. No, just parts of their farm that may not be much good for anything else. Why not go ahead and create some habitat for the wild turkey? Fence rows. Yeah, fence rows. Fence rows. I mean, plenty uh, of the fence fi- rows. <laughs> the fire breaks. You know, yep. and where the power lines run through, or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be, great places just to create a little turkey habitat. And like Alex said, just take a chainsaw, drop a couple trees, boom! Now you got some. You're not. You're not doing a lot. It's just taking a few minutes, drop a tree, and you got yourself some uh, nesting areas in that. Create your own honey hole. You're doing close to ponds, close yeah. to watering holes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Create your very own honey hole. Yep, and that's how you get more wildlife on your property, and you're helping sustain the elements. You know. So the easier we can make it for the wildlife, the better your hunting is going to be on your properties. And that's the whole point of these shows is to educate and share what we know and what we're doing so everybody can enjoy what we're doing. So, Alex, uh, as people are hearing this, uh, this this coming weekend is National Wild Turkey Federation Convention, correct? That is correct. I leave early Thursday morning. I'll arrive in Nashville around 9 o'clock. I'll be working Mike's archery booth representing uh, Wise Eyes Technologies, uh, Buck Grits, and also American Roots Outdoors. We will have our calls there at Mike's Archery, and also we'll be uh, refurbishing, I'll say refurbishing, re- restocking uh, our internet if you want to order calls off of our website, www.americanrootsoutdoors.com, and you can pay with PayPal. And uh, all of our calls, we're, we're kicking it in gear again. Here we go. And we're also running turkey camps this spring in Missouri in two locations, and also a turkey camp in Kentucky right on the Mississippi River. We've got a couple thousand acres over there. I'm hunting with uh, Legacy Farm and Land. Uh, Ryan McKinley over there, we're going to do meals and lodging and feeding, three-day camps over there. Then we're going to do a uh, camp in Ohio and West Virginia. We wanted to do a Rio camp in Texas or Oklahoma. We just can't find the right spot to make it happen yet. So it still may happen. We'll see what happens after the NWTF. And also want to make mention, Eddie Salter, Matt Moret, and myself will be doing a seminar Saturday at 10 o'clock a.m. Central Standard Time at the National Wild Turkey Federation Convention. And the title of the seminar is HS Legends, where they are now. We're going to talk about where the wild turkey was and where it's at now, and we're going to share techniques and uh, calling techniques and talk uh, about some old stories and and how we close the deal on certain tough gobblers. It's going to be a really cool, cool uh, seminar. We're also going to talk about where Matt is now and where Eddie is and what I'm doing. And uh, I do want to say thank you to all of our listeners all across the world. Uh, we're airing 19 countries. We're airing on 9 AM, FM stations and we 
appreciate all of our sponsors, local sponsors that support us. And more importantly, I thank you, Redbone and Wayne, for what you do to help us create great content and have a great show. All right. Well, thank you. And, uh, Wayne, it is time to wrap it up. Yep. And if you missed any of the radio show, just tune into your favorite podcast carrier, type in American Roots Outdoors. You'll, you'll catch this whole radio show, plus a bonus segment that can only be heard on the podcast. And remember, when your roots run deep and strong, there is no reason to fear the wind. So you never got to worry what the wind might do, American Roots. Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. From a whippoorwill to an old owl's hoot Sitting still till it's time to shoot American roots Take it to a holler Take it to a field Across a creek Up a big old hill Do you want to sell your land? Do you want to buy land, hunting land, farmland? Contact Legacy Farm and Land Specialist, LLC. Ryan McKinley, tell us about Legacy. Legacy Farm and Land Specialist, LLC, is based out of Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We service all the state of Missouri. We're opening up an office in Kentucky. Come and see us. There you have it, folks. Legacy Land and Farm Specialist, LLC. Buy, sell, auction. Ryan McKinley, 573-683-1449. My old pair of hunting boots Passed on down Planted deep in the ground Around your heart So you never got a Apex Ammunition presents Welcome to the bonus segment Of American Roots Outdoors If you're listening to this You're listening to probably Your favorite podcast carrier We are on every podcast carrier Available according to Wayne and uh, this past week, Wayne, you got some news to share with everybody on our rankings. Yeah, we moved up 11 spots on uh, last week, and we are now ranked at 143 in the nation. So, okay. Wayne, you take the lead here. Well, where we left off at the – oh, no, Redbone, you look like you're getting ready to ask something. No, I just say oh. continue talking about habitat. And, and uh, you know, and Alex, uh, again, to my point at the end of the radio show, you don't even have to own a lot of property to help create some turkey habitat. I've only got five acres, but I could, on my five acres, create some turkey habitat because I have hundreds of acres around me, which might draw turkeys onto my five acres. Yeah, exactly. You, you know, five acres, there's plenty of land, you know, to have, depending mm-hmm. on what's around you. Right. You know, you can't have two miles of square open. Uh, fields around you expect to have turkeys <laughs> unless you're feeding turkeys and you've created the right habitat for them to stay on that five acres. Yeah. So that's the secret. The secret to keeping animals on your property is having the right habitat, having low pressure, keeping the predators down, and not overpressuring, not overhunting them. So, yeah, you Food can create the great habitat. Yeah. Food and water. Food and on water. five acres. Yeah. And, you know, right now, the winter months, Birch Tree just had three inches of snow. Mm-hmm. And I no more got to line on it 10 miles away from me, and the snow was gone. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
But now I'm sitting here in Ellington, Missouri, and it's 50-some degrees here right now. It's crazy mm-hmm. weather here in Missouri. For all of you that's listening, if you've never been to Missouri, it could rain one day and the next day be sunny. It could be zero degrees. The next day it could be 50. It's just crazy like that. But, yeah. again, I want you to think about uh, the elements of these wild turkeys and what they got to live in to survive. And that's why I encourage people to plant food plants like eagle seed, have clovers, uh, different blends of, of food sources for them to survive, for them to sustain the element. Uh, feeding butt grits through the winter months, 16% protein, 12% fat. It creates the, everything they need to help them survive. You can take one 20-pound bag of butt grits, dump it out. If there's a dozen turkeys there, they'll eat on it for a week. And feeding just plain corn does not give you what the turkeys need to sustain to survive. Plain corn, there's not any true value in just a kernel of corn. The secret in butt grits is pulling the heart of the corn out, the germ, and adding more germ back to the ground-up grits form. And being small like that, it's easier for the turkeys to digest, and for deer, too. Mm-hmm. So think about that during this crucial winter months, no you know, matter where you're at. Yep, and I want to share a, a quick story here on uh, habitat and building habitat and not needing a lot of property, like you were saying, Redbone. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Ohio, I had a, a lease of a small uh, it was about seven, I want to say seven and a half acre piece of property. And for two years, I hunted it. And I was always having to call the turkeys from the neighbor's farm over to this farm because mm-hmm. they, he had nothing set up for this, uh, for, you know, holding turkey on his property and that. And uh, a, a buddy of mine, Mark Irwin, who is just a turkey killing machine. And, and I know Alex knows uh, Mark. And he came yeah. in with his tractor and he said, you give me one day have hard work, you and your son, and I will get you a, a turkey habitat, and the next year you'll have turkeys. And I'm thinking, okay, one day, how's that? You know, no way. He came in, and one day he went in there with his tractor. He dug up a 100-yard um, by about 60-yard strip of uh, open field. He tilled it all in. We planted uh, eagle seed there, and then he we went around with the chainsaws. We did hedge cutting for the deer. We also dropped some cedars and pine small pine trees for the turkeys, and lo and behold, literally the next year, they were already roosting and uh, visiting that food plot within one year. And I never had to call a turkey over from the neighbor's property again for the next seven years. Yeah, and perfect example of what you can do even with just a small piece of property. And yeah. Alex, I thought he was going to say, he came over and told me I need to cut a gap in that guy's fence so those turkeys would come over <laughs> It's amazing what a zip tie can do, though, to let a turkey through the bottom. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I'm kidding. Yep. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I tell you what, again, that's proof in the pudding there. The story you just shared is yep. what anybody can do. Yeah. Yeah. And the it doesn't take a is, lot of, it doesn't take money. That's what a lot of people, I think, the misconception is. They, they watch some of these shows or read some of these books, and they're thinking, you need this big machinery to do this stuff. You don't. I mean, this this guy had a little tractor that had a blade on it and a rototilling attachment, and you know, uh, just it was mu- more muscle work than anything. There you go. Another helpful hint from American Roots Outdoors Radio, and and uh, about time for us to wrap it up again. The show has gone by so fast today. They always seem to because they? we're covering. It's because we're covering great content, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why it flies by. We enjoy what we're talking about. We're passionate about what we're sharing with our listeners. And, uh, and I'll wrap it up here. You know, we're all responsible 
for helping keep the wild turkeys alive and deer, quail, rabbits, etc. We're all stewards of the land. We're all conservationists. You need to ask yourself, how much do I really care about turkey hunting? Am I a giver or am I a taker? I encourage everybody that listens to become givers, create habitat for your properties and your neighbors' properties, etc. It's our responsibility to keep this great turkey hunting sport strong. I want to thank you for listening, and always remember, teach your boys to be men and your girls to be ladies, and always remember. When your roots run deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind. Hey, turkey hunters, this is Alex Rutledge. Have you heard about Apex Ammunition? If you haven't, they are American-owned, American-made, made one at a time, hand-loaded. These turkey loads will give you the confidence that you need to close the deal on that old hook daddy long beard gobbler. For more information, go to www.apexammunition.com. Yeah.